looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post. It's Sunday, the 24th of September. Thanks for your company. Big show coming up over the next hour or so. Plenty of guests to dissect uh, these two wonderful days of racing yesterday, or two wonderful race meetings yesterday. Of course, Golden Rose Day at Rose Hill Gardens at Underwood Stakes Day at Caulfield. And, of course, here in our own neck of the woods, it was a big day. Toowoomba's biggest day of the year with a Wheatman and the Toowoomba Cup. We'll discuss it all. I'll discuss it with Ben Dorries. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, David. Didn't a day start in dramatic circumstances yesterday before a race had even been run uh, with Giga Kick uh, being withdrawn from uh, the evidence with a torn gluteal muscle? So... Look, there was a sensation before uh, we even saw a horse go round, so that was uh, huge news. The racing, I thought, everywhere was terrific. My highlights, Damien Oliver and Alligator Blood, I thought was fabulous. Just a personal little highlight. First time in Toowoomba for me at the races. Tony Gollan watched the Wheatwood in the media box with us and dead set went bananas when mm. all that pizzazz won. His first Wheatwood, he's finally cracked a curse, so congratulations, Tony Gollan. We'll talk about Alligator Blood later in the show with Adrian Bott and we will uh, touch base with Tony Gollum as well. Don't forget, of course, Pass the Post brought to you by archerparkracing.com.au and um, that's the website. Go to there. Now, they, they've got a filly for sale at the moment. She's a very, very good type. She's by Russian Revolution. Stuart Kendrick is going to train her and she's more than likely to have a, a trial or a jump out in early October. So she's ready to go. And we know how Russian Revolution has performed as a sire. Stuart Kendrick's team is going well. Of course, they won the last race at Toowoomba yesterday with Pocketful. So congratulations to all of the owners involved in Pocketful. Archer Park Racing presents today's program. Let's go to Rose Hill Gardens first. We'll profile the Golden Rose meeting first up and we'll go to the feature, the Group 1 Golden Rose. A great uh, field of three-year-olds assembled here. In the end, the favourite was Cylinder, but an easing favourite at $4.20. Snapback leads at the 500 metres from Butch Cassidy. Cap pulling three wide. Then Charmstone sliding into fourth. Further back to Cylinder with a back to follow. Uh, Moravia trying to come off heels at the 350. Now they're stretched across the track. Snapback joined by Butch Cassidy and Cap. Cylinder starting to hit top gear. Moravia hasn't got much room, nor Charmstone. Cap hits a narrow lead at the 150. Cap from Butch Cassidy. Cylinder hitting the line hard. Cap Cylinder militarised late. Oh, barnstorming finished by Militarise. The late attack, diving. And I think it got there in the Golden Rose from Cylinder and Cap. Oh, followed by Butch Cassidy. Moravia, King Colorado, Shinzo. Further back turn to Dal, Don Corleone, snap back and general salute. Joe Marrera let the Dundee cult rip and he's bombed them late to win the Golden Rose. It was a dramatic finish with Militarise absolutely charging that last 50 metres to win the Golden Rose, as Darren pointed out, ridden by Joe Marrera, trained by Chris Waller, his third Golden Rose. Henry Field, of course, from Newgate Farm, is shares in the ownership of Militarise. He's our first guest this morning. Henry, congratulations. Morning, boys. How are you? No, it was a great, uh, great day, and uh, he was... He was Awesome yesterday. He touched acceleration, turn of foot to, mm. to win from what looked like a, an unwinnable position. So it was very exciting. Awesome is the right word to use. When you pull this performance apart, I think there are three features here that, that stamps this as an outstanding win, probably more than outstanding. Even at the start, 
He half loses his momentum because he's sandwiched between Charmstone and Cap, so he settles. Well, probably was going to settle where he was, but anyway, his momentum was 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 uh, put into question early. But then in the straight, he's got this wall of horses in front of him. You can see he's going well. He gets out, and you still think, well, you'll, you'll probably charge and just miss out. But a, a great final sectional, just a tick over 11 seconds. You put all that together, uh, I'm sure I'm not telling you anything, but that's that's an 11 out of 10 performance. Yeah, no, it, really, it really is. And as you, as you rightly said, at the 100 metre mark, he was going to run an awesome fourth. And uh, and by the post, he was galloping strong through the line um, with just yeah, a, a, an electric turn of footy, ran, I think, 33 flat the last 600. And was held up in traffic, so it was it was a big performance, and and he's I think he's a very I mean obviously he's won three Group Ones from six starts, but I think he's a he's very very good, and I think Chris thinks he's very very good. Uh, you know the the, uh, the the confidence in which Chris has in this horse is is uh, is amazing. Uh, you know we've got a few horses in Chris's stable, and and I can say that he's he's uh, he he talks about this horse you know in, in differently to, to what I've heard him talk about other horses that we've been involved with, and. And you know we look forward to the, to the rest of the spring. He'll obviously go to the Caulfield Guineas now, and and uh, we're hoping Joe will be back to ride him. And 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 you know he's he's he's, he's, he's the thing that's so exciting about him to me is he's by done deal that of Dubawi Mayor. Everything he's doing now is theoretically the way he's built and the way he's bred is he's bonus territory. You know, so it's ho- hopefully that's right, and hopefully we can keep keep going forward. The, the Joe Moreira connection is quite a special one too, isn't it? I mean, three three uh, rides, three group one wins. You can't do any better than that. And and he's quite a story, Joe, isn't he? I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's sort of half retired and going back to Brazil. And here he is bobbing up, winning a, a group one golden race for you. Yeah, he's 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 an amazing he's an amazing rider, and uh, and um, and he 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 he's, he he loves militarised. Like he came back to Australia. To ride militarised, it was the draw card that brought him back. Pre-race yesterday, you know, obviously between trainers and jockeys and connections, a lot said. Joe simply said, "I'm very confident," and walked out and got on the horse. That was that was it, full stop. And uh, and you know, you know, it was uh, it was extraordinary the level of confidence he had in the horse pre-race yesterday. And and um, you know, and and. You know, it was it was he did a great job. I know the ball didn't fall his way, and he got squeezed at the start, and he got held up, and all the rest of it. But he never lost focus, never lost confidence, and he and he was he was uh, he was bloody you know strong through the line, and 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 set him up really well for his for his, for his next run. So so you know it's a great great combination. Um, I thought it was great play by Chris putting the blinkers on yesterday. Uh, I think we would have ideally liked to have started a bit closer yesterday, but as you said, he got squeezed out of the gates and and cost him a position, but. He's a very versatile horse. He can sit closer. He can sit further back. He can do it on soft. He can do it on hard. Uh, he can do it on a short trip. He can do it on a, on, a, on a longer trip. So he's he's a horse with great versatility, a great record, a great temperament, and and he's a very sound, clean horse. All the things that make you know ability, as we all know, is just one part of the equation. He, he seems to, to to tick to tick all the boxes you need to tick to be a really top class horse. Yeah, you you make the point about being able to handle wet tracks, which is always important just in case you need it. He's $3.50 now for the Caulfield Guineas. That comes as no surprise after the the authority of the performance yesterday. Um, obviously, a Cox Plate is a consideration. Is it a strong consideration or is it just something that you'll wait till after the Caulfield Guineas? Yeah, it will wait till after the Caulfield Guineas. It's always sort of been in the back of our minds and back in that way through the spring. And... Um, and uh, and yeah, if he keeps if he keeps 
rising to the challenges that were put in front of them, that would probably be an obvious race to target him towards, you know. So that was good. And we were also really excited yesterday, fortunate to be in ownership of Osmosis. We bought into that horse after his two-year-old campaign. And, and he he was, 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 I wouldn't say equally as exciting, but geez, he was, he was very good yesterday. So it was a great day for the connections of, you know, of our, of our partnership with, Two of the most exciting three-year-old colts in the land, uh, looking for a big spring ahead of them. Just back on militarise for a second, Henry. Um, look, some of the ratings men are saying that uh, this guy's ratings are absolutely off the charts, and obviously he's bred to run two thousand metres, so all going well. And forty-nine and a half, obviously in a cox plate. Um, gee whiz, you think he could give the cox plate a, a mighty shake if he was still on all four feet by then? Well, yeah, Benny certainly profiles up as a horse that that. Um that would do that, you know, like everything about him suggests that he uh, he can he can sit in a tactical position, obviously right down in weight. Um, he's got the pedigree to suggest that mile and a quarter will be right up his alley, if not further. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he does really profile it well, but winning a Cox Plate, it's, it's uh, you know, even having a runner on the Cox Plate, it's bloody, it's, it's like rarefied air, isn't it? So you just got to, like, I think the... He's going to take it race by race, but but he certainly, I'll tell you what's very nice is that if he, if he if he does if he does keep progressing in the right direction, the preparation will will, will work perfectly into it. Like he'll be fourth up, he'll be fourth up out of the Golden Rose of Caulfield Guineas, um, two weeks into a Cox Plate. So so the preparation will be perfect, but but certainly you know we'll we'll let the horse the horse do the talking, and if he and if he if he keeps keeps rising to the challenge, well there's every possibility that he, he may well run there. Henry, I want to go back to Osmosis because you brought him up. Just a couple of points. Yesterday morning, he was $2.40 in the morning line market. He SP'd at $3.10. Uh, that's telling me, or, or is it tell, is it not telling me, was he uh, just carrying a bit of excess condition going to that race yesterday being first up? Yeah, his, his ultimate target for the spring uh, has, has been the Coolmore. And Bjorn, Bjorn had him... Like, he was he was ready to win yesterday, mm. but he also... He, you, know, he, you know, he was off one... Relatively soft trial, even though he won the trial, he's relatively soft trial, and 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 given given his main target at the end of the spring, uh, Bjorn was very mindful not to have him absolutely screwed down yesterday. Um, you know, I think I think that um, he was certainly you know it had the potential to be vulnerable yesterday, and I know that uh, Bjorn on the team felt that you know yesterday was a day where they weren't over bullish. I mean, they're over bullish on the horse's ability. And based on his ability, they thought the horse would win the race. But certainly, he had plenty of improvement left in him, given his grand final was a long way away. And and I thought it was a really impressive performance. He's an interesting horse, as most because he he was we bought into him based on you know we're fortunate to work with Daniel O'Sullivan, who recommended the horse to us. Plus, he's a horse. It was a very immature two-year-old. Everything he was doing as a two-year-old was really on raw ability. He's really furnished into a madness preparation. Um, and and. What I think is very interesting about Osmosis is that, like he's, he's raced or trialed seven times. He's never been beaten, right? So when you get a horse that's like untapped as a three-year-old, that's still in a mature and still progressing in the right direction, uh, like he, every run he's, he, he's rating better. Uh, he, he does profile up interestingly. I'm not getting ahead of myself, but he does profile up very similar to a horse like Giggy Kick last year, mm. who was that untapped three-year-old who had progressive ratings all the way through his from start to start. Uh, so I, I'm not sure whether we'll get a slot in the Everest, but I think I think I know Bjorn's very ambitious to run him in the Everest, and I, and I think that uh, if we did get a slot, we'd certainly we'd certainly be keen to run him and 
and I think Scott Darby has done a great job purchasing the horse and managing the horse skills the same way. Well, you've answered my next question because I was going to say that there was chatter. There's been always a bit of conversation before this horse race yesterday, but then, of course, naturally it was always going to happen after it won that, that yeah. you know, Everest, yes, Everest, no. But uh, with the, with Giga Kick's uh, slot now vacant for James Harron, there's uh, five slots left. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that you will get, get um, um, a phone call or have you had a phone call? Yeah, we've we've had it. We've had a couple of a couple of the a couple of the, the spot holders. I suppose more just just make a general general inquiry about the horse, um, without without sort of any specifics. I suppose, um, and I suppose that they're more trying to work out whether we'd be interested in running the horse, or Bjorn and the Derby Racing Team and, and, and ourselves are interested in running the horse. And, and the answer to that is, is if the opportunity presented, I think yes, it is. Yes, we would run that horse. Which you need a very you need a you need a very good horse, a good mentally. A good, a good horse, great mentality, great um, racecraft, etc. To, to run an Everest because it, it is a pressure cooker of a race. But I think he profiles up that way. I think he's a horse that would handle the pressure, um, and I think he's, I think he's probably the X factor three-year-old. Um, you know, I think any time you've got a horse that, a horse that is unbeaten, you, you don't know how long a piece of string is. I mean, we're, we're fortunate to have a slot ourselves in the Everest, and we, 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 we. we um, we were lucky to lock think about it in um in, in June for the slot. And it was based on the same theory, the reason we targeted him early was because he's essentially or virtually an unbeaten horse, right? So you never know how how untapped these horses are and he's now current equal favourite for the Everest and you know, I think that I think and I think he'll be I think he's nearly the horse to beat. and I think um if Osmosis gets a slot, I think he, he goes in he would go into the race down and the weight uh with the same the same Valid reason for, for for being in the race where he's he's very much untapped. Certainly. Well, all we all we can say out of all of that is you looking forward to a potentially happy and profitable October. Well, anything will be anything will be good. It's hard, you know, it's a hard old game, isn't it? You know, the, so so any time you can win a race, it's 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 exciting. And and certainly yesterday for all of our connections um, was 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 really exciting. And and uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's great. And, Amazing to see that the first two-year-old races are in, kicking off in Sydney next mm. next Saturday. And you had a race in Brisbane yesterday, and the, the wheel turns again. The next crop of horses come through, and and uh, hopefully we can we can weave out a nice magic millions horse out of the, the Breeders' Plate there next Saturday. We've got a couple running, and hopefully one of them can put 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 their hand up to be a nice magic millions uh, two-year-old classic horse. Uh, but it's it's exciting time of year, isn't it? What's the one you're looking forward to next Saturday most? We we, we like a horse very much. Very much to your volatile. He's a Snitzel Colt that our partnership owns. He won a trial. I think he ran the fastest final 600 of the day at the trials, where he was sort of three lengths out the back and, and went round them. Uh, James McDonald's booked a ride, and uh, Kieran Myers' horse looks very, very good. His Blue Point horse, but we, we have a lot of time for this horse, volatile, and hopefully he can he can put his best foot forward uh, next next Saturday in the British Boat. Thanks for joining us this morning. Anytime, guys. There is Henry Field from Newgate Farm providing a lot of information there this morning, primarily around Militarise, who was the best performance in the race, but it wasn't the only good performance in the race. Cylinder's run was fantastic. I, I had a reservation about him at 1,400. That was proven wrong because he sat three wide all the way and wasn't beaten that far. His run was very good. He, yeah. He was unlucky, Nash, because he came out. You look at the head-on. He came out. He was coming across with Moravia, but all of a sudden... He just doesn't have that speed, and Butch Cassidy slipped by him, got outside, 
and he was left posted three wide, which he explained to Stewart's post-race. But the horse battled on extremely well. Yeah, I think outside of the winner, that was the run of the race cylinder. I had the same doubt at 1,400 that you did. But throws up an interesting question. Um, get Olfen's ever a slot. I, I mean, cylinder, I reckon, would probably have to be in the box seat now ahead um, of In Secret, who has sort of been okay. But, I mean, that, that was a fabulous run, yeah. cylinder. I thought Charmstone, I was on. I was a Charmstone man. I know that there's the Phillies curse and whatever. She was good without, you know, ever threatening. I think she was held up from the, you know, 400 to the yeah. 200. She ran fifth. Didn't didn't sort of let herself down, but um, but never really figured. King Colorado, gee, the JJ Atkins winner, wasn't he backed? Started, I think, might have opened $10, started $4.40. Never really figured, but only beaten less than two lengths. If you want to mark the race down, which uh, often a rule of thumb is a bunch finish can mean form out of the race not strong. I'm not sure in this case. I'm normally one of those ones in that camp. Here I'm the other way because the overall time is very good, 22-24. Uh, there was three lengths from first to the second last horse. General Salute was behind them, but I think this is a good race. And one other horse worthy of mention Shinzo? is Shinzo, yep. uh, who I thought ran well. That's backed up by his sectional, 33.79. Just compare that to militarised, 33.61. Uh, the alley was always going to present a problem. He was also first up, although he did parade very well. But uh, his run was good. He was two out of five lane post-race. So uh, just where Shinzo ends up now is uh, is interesting because he was being considered for Coolmore's Everest slot. Yeah, I was surprised he started that short. First up, 1,400 from the barrier. I suppose a lot of people thought, well, Chris Waller knows what he's doing. Ryan Moore's coming out to ride this horse. So, there's, there, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the two out of five lame is interesting as well, isn't it? So we'll have to watch this space with interest. Good race and a very good win by Militarise who goes to the Caulfield Guineas. Let's go to the race before the Golden Rose, the seventh race of the day. This is the Shannon Stakes. It was a Group 2 level. Our favourite was Waterford at $3.40. Can Crosstalk see it out today? Led by two lengths to Byron Bell. Two and a half to Williamsburg shading. Cepheus on the rails. Then came Kerwin's Lane, who's come off the bridle already. On the outside, a new mandate. Now the favourite Waterford is well back, getting wide as they turn. It's Crosstalk swinging in front. Byron Bell's had enough. Williamsburg goes to second. Cepheus along the rails. Then came new mandate, flying crazy. Waterford is winding up on the outside as Williamsburg takes the lead now. From Cepheus, the inside. Waterford trying hard, but Cepheus went up the inside now. Cepheus takes the lead, and it's Cepheus home here in the Shannon Stakes. Beat Williamsburg and Waterford in a photo for second. Then flying crazy. Further back to Lions Roar from Kerwin's Lane. Crosstalk weakened out from Magical Lagoon. New mandate, Commando Hunt and Byron Bell. Given a perfect ride there by Nashwiller, who rode a treble yesterday. Cepheus was too good for them. His trainer, Matt Dunn, joins us now on Pass the Post. Matt, good morning. Morning, how are you? I'm well. I always get a, um, find this horse hard to handle personally. I'll tell you why. Because when I see him in Queensland, I don't see him winning. When he goes back to Sydney, he won the, won the, he won the Group 2 Ajax uh, in the autumn. He's won the Group 2 Shannon yesterday. So we don't always see the best of Sevis up here in southeast Queensland, but he's a damn good racehorse. Yeah, he certainly is. He's, um, you know, he's top grade, isn't he? And he sort of proved that again yesterday. Um, probably, probably not really any reason why he hasn't won up here for you, but I'm sure he will eventually. <laughs> um, but he's, um, you know, he's run the other day or, or previous to to yesterday. He probably just needed it, you know. He, he sort of, he, I think the run was still good because he, he pulled up pretty big after that race and 
he's just one of those horses that takes um, takes a lot of work and a lot of racing to get him right up to the mark. He's very strong, and you know he carries lots of weight. I think that's probably the reason why um, he, his previous run looked a bit wobbly. Um, but I, I, even in that, he was probably on empty at the 200, and he, and he still held his spot through that race. And that that's that's him. You know, he's, he's a very competitive horse, and it comes against him a little bit sometimes because I think Nash alluded to the fact that he wanted to overdo things a little bit mid race yesterday. Just because of that, he's so competitive. Um, but to know, we, we saw the best of him yesterday for sure. He's uh, a fascinating horse for, for lots of reasons. One, I reckon, Matt, you, you took a while to work out exactly what he was because I, I have a feeling he was brought to Australia originally, potentially even as a Melbourne Cup horse or certainly a Cups horse. Um, but we've seen him in sprint races like the you know the Eyeliner and the Glasshouse. So I suppose just finding out his you know what distance he's best suited at's been a bit of a, a puzzle for you. Yeah, it has. Well, and I mean, I think. I think part of it is his versatility. You know, I don't know that that you, you necessarily need to to keep him to any one distance. I mean, he, he ran third in the Hill Stakes as an entire, and and probably being an entire at the time came against him and stopped him from winning that race. So, um, you know, he's 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 one of those horses that um, he needs blinkers late, but he doesn't need them early, particularly in longer races because he wants to rush. Um, if we could if we could take him off and put him on at the two hundred, that'd be perfect. But we can't do that. <laughs> Um, but he's, you know, he's, um, and that, that, that's the thing that that's why he's been so confusing for us because, you know, how far does he want to go? We probably should have figured it out when he ran so well, his first start for us down at Kembla when he came to Australia and he ran so well in the short race. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that, that he needs to be to kept at any one distance ever. You know, we can just sort of, um, just meander along and, and find the right races for him. And I think he's probably a miler. That, that's probably his spot, but, um, you know, he's, Certainly, um, certainly doing a good job in the sprint races, that's for sure. There was a major stalling point in this horse's career. He ran in the City Tats Cup in October 2021. Then his next race start was at Doombin on February 11, 2023. Tell us about that. Yeah, he sustained a tendon injury when he when he sort of came back. He, it was his first preparation as a gelding, actually. And, um, it took a little bit of convincing to... To um to sort of get that done, but I'm sure it was going to help him. And then he came out and bowed a ten and get his first prep as as a gelding. Um, and it was a it was a significant injury. It wasn't a, a little pinhole. It was you know it was a sort of sixty percent cross section. And um, the initial thoughts from my vets in Sydney were you know he's probably done. But um, you know ATI have got a very good um, system in place with these horses that have injuries. They they they've got rehab. Um, system set up down in um, in Victoria with Matthew Williamson, and, and he spent a year down there, sort of in and out of work, and um, and and got it got it back to where it is now, and it hasn't given him any trouble since. Touch wood, uh, but um, you know that that's that was that was the reason he had so long off, just because he, he did that, and uh, you know we took our time with him and, and got him got him right, and you know he, he's repaying us um, ten times over now. He's obviously heading for the big dance. I've uh, had a look at the Kosciuszko market, Matt, and uh, I'm a poor punter, as you probably know. But I reckon I found the winner, or a probable winner of the Kosciuszko, and it's, uh, I don't know if I'm putting the mock on you, but it's your horse, Derry Grove, who, dead set, could not have been more impressive uh, last Saturday. Am I on the money here? Is this a horse that our listeners should follow going into the Cosy? Oh, absolutely. You know, he's again. He's another horse that's had loads of problems, and his, his prep, his or his career's been stalled a couple of times because of that. Um, and then we sort of had to deal with the mental issues that he had after those injuries. You know, so 
wanting to rush his races, miss a start, and then try to climb over the top of them. And that, that took a bit of ironing out. Uh, you know, there's a lot of work went into that. Um, Brody Loy rides him every day. And he he did, did a lot of things with him in trials and jump outs and that sort of thing, just to encourage him to relax into his races, find his rhythm and, and you know, jump properly, do all the things he needed to do to, to reach his potential because he's, he's been a horse that's had loads of talent right through. It was evident when he won his maiden at Warwick Farm on a heavy 10 and came from last of 100. Um, and that, that was it was more so probably the, the mental side of things and physical. We sort of got his body right and his, his mind had to follow, which which we've now achieved. And, and that's why all of a sudden now he's a complete package as he's racing so well. Um, but no, he, you know, I know he's winning highway races, but but when you when you sort of look at the way he's doing it, and his times are comparing very well to better races on the day. You know, he's racing in the middle of the carnival. There's lots of nice horses racing on the same day over the same distance, and you can compare his times to those horses, and, and he stacks up pretty good. Um, he's going to go into uh, into the Kosciuszko, a very fit horse. Um, the other favourites are going in first up. None of those horses are going to have a run before they go in. If it happens to rain, he's a four-length better horse on rain-affected ground than what he's on firm. So uh, hopefully um, we get a bit of rain that week. Uh, he's going to be really competitive. I've got a punning story with Derry Grove as well. I backed it at Eagle Farm in the last race one day. Each way, Michael Carl rode it, and it scraped into third, and I thought, hell, I'll never back it again in my life that it was Derry Grove. It's now won three on the trot. But you've explained more than <laughs> more than adequately why this horse is a better horse now. So I'm, 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 I've learned a lot about Derry Grove today. But I'll tell you one thing, man, in all seriousness, uh, we talk about ratings and ratings, men and the like. I bet you Derry Grove's ratings are coming up very high at the moment because, as you alluded to, those times are very good. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, the way that he's doing it, like, I mean, he's sort of just... Mm cantering up beside him at the 200 and when when Nash is asking him to go he's not finding half a length he's, you know he's putting four on him so yeah, exactly right you know, he's um he's certainly doing a good job and you're having a good record over all of these highways <laughs> yeah it's going good actually since we're allowed back it's um I think we've won five of them or something and it's not it's um it's a really good hunting ground for us at the moment all right, mate. Thanks for being with us this morning. A good day yesterday, and uh, we'll follow Cepheus with interest coming into the big dance. But just one more question. Where does he go to next? You mentioned the Alan Brown yesterday. Is that a, still the target, likely lead-up? <laughs> yeah, that's where we'll go with him next up. Good on you, mate. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yes, at Alan Brown race, uh, it's a $1.5 million race on the 7th of October, I think it is. Um, so 1,400 metres. There's no such thing as a poor race down there. Is there? They're, no. they're all rich races. No. So if a race is worth $200,000, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's too that's cheap. Modest race, that one. Yeah. I thought um, Waterford's run was good, even though he was beaten. His sectional was very good, 32.78. Right, let's continue with Rose Hill Gardens. Let's have a listen to Osmosis in the, in the listed heritage. As I mentioned, he was a bit wonky in the market, and Royal Tribute was the best back to $3. Royal Tribute and Osmosis, the two favourites locking horns a long way out. Namesake coming off heels in third. Then Fire Lane from Stanislaus, Celestial Legend, and Barber still second last, being quietly ridden. 300 metres to go, and Osmosis puts the head in front. Namesake running on the outside. Two lengths away to Celestial Legend, and further back to Barber. It's Osmosis, just the leader from Namesake. Osmosis lifting, kicking. Osmosis goes on to win the Heritage. The Colt remains unbeaten. Celestial Legend second, namesake third. Royal Tribute showing fight in fourth. Then Fire Lane further back to Barber, Stennis, Laus and Chris Dilley. 
Well, listening to Henry Field, it looks like they've put their hand up uh, for osmosis. If there's a slot there, they'll take it. Yeah, and let's face it. I mean, this uh, the Everest isn't far away now, is it? And five five slots still up for grabs. It's uh, mm. very very interesting times. The Moyer Stakes might have a bit of a role to play in it as well on Friday night. Uh, a lot of those horses potentially staying in Melbourne, uh, obviously Imperatrice, but Uncommon James is an interesting one. Like I don't think there's been much Everest interest uh, at the moment, but I mean. Yeah, the Oakley Plate winner. If it comes out and blouses them in the moyer, all of a sudden. Exactly. We'll discuss this more tomorrow on, on Press Room, but just very quickly, could Imperatriz's connections be influenced to come back to the Everest fold if a better deal was organised? Yeah, I'm just hearing the deal that they want is just too heavily stacked in their favour. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they've, they've gone to slot holes and said, this is what we want, and they've said... Stuff it up your jumper, basically. You've no got way. a good horse, but that deal's too much in your favour. We we want uh, we want something in our favour. Thank you very much. Colin Stephen Quality was the staying race group three level. Here's the replay with Darren. Sir Lucan just in front of Fancy Man, Desert Icon, Verona trying to sustain a wide run, four wide still coming at the front runners, they're followed by Allegron getting onto their backs from Little Mex, then came Faze Angel, now Alibis a fair way off them, and Marira's looking for Creel running into the straight and Sir Lucan weathering the storm at the moment, Sir Lucan with a kick, three quarters to Desert Icon, followed by Alibir going back to the inside, uh, Verona's gone, it's Sir Lucan being tested by Desert Icon, Athabar Baskin's winding up, and Alabir gets the run down the inside. Alabir went to Desert Icon. Athabaskin wide out, swamping them. Athabaskin got up on the wire to nail Alabir. Desert Icon third, Sir Lucan fourth, followed by Little Mix. Followed in then next by Fancy Man, Faze Angels. Verona took off early and weakened out at the end from True Marvel at Landos and Southern France. Tommy Sherry partnering with Athabaskin again for John O'Shea and... Again, good. Won the City Tats Cup at 2,400 last time out. Again, sprinting impressively yesterday. It's last uh, split 34-27. And I'm not quite sure if it backs up in the Metro next week. It's a $13 chance there because Just Fine dominates the market at $2. But it's certainly a galloper in form. Yeah, absolutely. And before two starts ago, it had one win from 18 starts. So we were wondering uh, whether this guy could actually win a race and now put two in a row on the board. Yeah, the OTI racing colours seem to advantage there again with Athabaskan. Uh, Kieran Ma not happy with Zach Lloyd's ride on Verona. Um, took off too early and uh, paid the penalty. Let's go to our last replay from Rosehill Gardens yesterday. This is the golden pendant for the Phillies and Mares Group 2. Diamond Dealer swings the corner in front, three in front to Banana Queen. Now Espiona's coming off heels. She's starting to give chase. Zugotcha can't do much more. Three lengths away to a tissue is putting in a good challenge. Diamond Dealer being joined by Espiona. She really wants to lay in. Nash trying to straighten her up as she stormed two lengths clear now from a tissue charging home. But it's Espiona clearing the golden pendant. Espiona the favourite, too good beat a tissue. Banana Queen third. Then came Diamond Dealer more Secret Zugotcha. She was playing today, then so dazzling. She's about a bit too keen in the run, and she finished last. Espiana was the $2.35 favourite. She ran a ripper first up to Sunshine uh, in Paris, and very good yesterday. She's really hitting her straps. Now, she's already a Group 1 winner, and I've got a feeling, it's not that it's um, secret, that she may well be the Chris Waller Racing slot holder for the Everest. Well, I think Chris even indicated that yesterday mm. when he said, look, unless something better bobs up in the, in the next, you know, 10 or 14 days, we'll probably take Espiona. She was just never, where she lobbed in transit, she was just never going to lose that 
race was. She, I think, look, she's been a bit, uh, as you mentioned, she's a group one winner, a bit unfairly maligned early on in her career. Like she was meant to be the next Winx. I mean, she started n- with two bigger Well, there's bird. never going to be another Winx, is yeah. there? And, and, you know, if there is, it's certainly not Espiona. Um, but a terrific horse in her own right. I tell you what, the disappointment of that race, Zoo Gotcha just has not come up for one reason or another this campaign. That's three in a row. Um, and seemed to get a nice run in transit there, so not quite sure. Our great friend of this show, Noel Greenhow, yeah. might be able to shed some light on it, but disappointing yesterday, as you gotcha. Just not finding the line. Let's take a break on Past the Post. We'll uh, profile Caulfield and Underwood Stakes Day up next. Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. That they do. Welcome back to Pass the Post. Let's go to Caulfield yesterday and Alligator Blub was the $3.60 favourite to go back-to-back Underwood Stakes. 900 metres to run. Alan Kerr led it out by a length and a half. Alligator Blood. Two lengths to Voluma Wunga. Three lengths away. Lindemann followed by Bankmore. Right you are. Jewess as they spread. Then came Nonconformist. Sulcum Vow and Declare. A length and a half without a fight. Attrition. Four lengths. Lunar Flare. Smoke and Romans. So it's Alan Kerr. 500 metres to go. Is trying to stretch them. Alligator Blood's a length and a half away. Tuvalu still coming on. Then came Mowunga. Next in the field. Lindemann. Bankmore. Right you are to the outside from Jewess without a fight a long way back. Alan Kerr at the 300, grabbed by Alligator Blood. Tuvalu trying to go with him. A gap, Lindemann, Jewess, right you are, and Sulkham from a long way back. Alligator Blood at the 150 extended. A length in front of Tuvalu and Jewess. But it's Alligator Blood clear, looking to go back to back. His mighty heart gets him there. Alligator Blood's won it. Tuvalu second, Jewess third, Sulkham fourth. Then right you are, and next without a fight, and non-conformist, Lindemann and Alan Kerr, then Bakemore, Vow and Declare, Attrition, Spoken Romans, Luna Flair, and Mo Wunga. Damien Oliver, of course, uh, standing in for Tim Clark, riding Alligator Blood to his second Underwood Stakes win for Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott. Adrian Bott joins us now live on Past the Post. Good morning, Adrian. Yeah, good morning, guys. Since uh, this horse has been in your care and, and, and Gay's care, he's won a Stradbroke, he's won two Underwoods, a Champions Mile and a Futurity. That's all in the space, I think, of 18 months. He's been a, a wonderful acquisition to the stable. He really has been. You know, just sort of having that conversation with Gay yesterday after the win when we were sort of debriefing, just sort of how lucky we've been to have, have him walk into the stable. Um, you know, those weight parade stars, they're obviously hard to hard to come across and, um, you know, there's none, none tougher than him, so... Um, yeah, we've been, you know, in a fortunate position to be able to sort of capitalise on, um, you know, the, his his career, um, and, and he's been fan. You know, it's been been a very rewarding experience, I must say. The decision to <clears throat> back him up in the Underwood, obviously, you raced um, in the Maccabi Diva, beaten by Mr. Brightside a week earlier. Was that a straightforward one, Adrian, or was it was it a bit of a split decision? Did did Jerry Harvey, for instance, have much of a say? Did did you and Gay feel the same way about it? But it's because it's quite interesting, and it, and it's you know the proof's in the pudding. It's been terrific. Yeah, look, I, I must say um, that the owners were certainly very forward in um, wanting to to look at that option um, following the uh, McIvey Stakes. Um, it, it, I think if there was ever a horse that you thought would suit a backup, it would certainly be him. You know, so there's there's none tougher. Um, I, I think the decision to actually sort of come up and, and run that, that race 
um, was was an easy one in, in in the sense that he'd done well and didn't think um, the performance on the day would be affected. Was the, the hardest part was sort of trying to work out how that will affect later in his campaign and if that potentially sort of shaves off a run uh, with the later targets that we had sort of being, um, you know, sort of wanting to maybe get back to a champion for him that would sort of leave him sort of six up with the preparation that we sort of had and just whether that sort of took away from the grand final or not. Um, but in the end, sort of happy to do it and, you know, ultimately went to that race six up last year. So, um, yeah, I, I think he can handle it. The, the seven-day backup was interesting also in Damien Oliver's post-race comments because if you back-delegate a blood, the first 400, 500 metres was a slightly anxious watch because he, he wasn't straight into that comfort zone. I think many thought that he would control and lead and he just took a little while to get outside lead. But I think as Damien explained post-race, uh, just you know, with that, that seven-day backup, it uh, just wasn't as, as quick or as sharp early. Is, is, is that right to say? Um, yeah, look, I, I, I think that's certainly sort of probably got some merit to that, no doubt. He's he's there and, and, and certainly felt that. But I, I never sort of bought into the um, you know, pre-race belief that there'd be no pressure there and that it was just mm. his race to control. Um, you know, certainly, um, yeah, everyone's sort of aware of what he's capable of doing, um, you know, at, in that position. I think a, a, a larger field, um, you know, with a few more horses that could potentially sort of race on pace. Uh, I don't think it was ever going to be straightforward in that sense. So, um, yeah, I always sort of saw the race panning out um, where he probably wasn't going to be able to, to lead in, in, in that in that fashion. Um, you know, smaller field last start, you know, very tactical. Um, this race, I thought, was going to be more of a high-pressure high race. Adrian, I love this horse to, to bits, obviously, being an ex-Queensland horse at one stage. The only query I've ever had on him is over 1,800. And I reckon you might have expressed this on this show in the past. Obviously, he ran well in the Cox Plate last year without sort of figuring in the finish. Do you have, you know, those queries of, of 2000, Cox Plate, is that still in your mind or, or now he's older and more seasoned? Are you more comfortable with, with testing him at that trip? Uh, look, certainly um, more comfortable testing him at that trip. Now he's sort of that little bit more, little bit more seasoned. As he runs over that, um, that preparation last time, he's had a, you know, if he's had a really good sort of build-up uh, this time in with, with that sort of campaign in mind, we, we didn't necessarily have the interruptions that we did uh, this time last year. Um, sort of going into his first couple of runs, um, you know, he was still sort of trying to sort out the ownership. We're missing certain trials and and jump outs, etc. So it's probably been a, a it's been a little bit more straightforward to prepare him this year. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think he's run very well over those types of trips. 1800 was and, and it was I thought it was a good tempo there yesterday. Um, certainly testing on, on, on the stamina aspect. And he did plenty of work himself, yet on the line he was still able to be pulling away. So, um, you know, I, I think he can handle the, the, the 2,000. Um, he'll have a he'll have another run over the 2,000 now, um, you know, prior to the, to the Cox Plate. Um, and, and, look, I, I think he can handle it. I thought he's run well at those trips on, on each occasion last, last campaign. You've just won from left field. You've had a real ringside seat to, to answer this question. You've been beaten by Mr Brightside the last couple of runs. I reckon that the whole of Australia's probably underrated Mr Brightside at times. How good do you think Mr Brightside is? Because let's face it, <coughs> uh, he sailed past Alligator Bud last start, didn't he? Yeah, look, um, he's he's certainly proving himself to be, you know, Australia's best sort of weight for age miler. Um, you know, probably different sort of, different tests for them past past the 
past the mile, but no doubt you even sort of not just his preparation, you saw sort of look at what he was able to do at the, the back end of, of last campaign and um yeah, he's very consistently won those big races um at, at the mile. So yeah, he's you know, he's no doubt, you know, probably got that title. I want to talk about your other winner yesterday, Oz Empress. Uh, Winona Coston handled her well and she ticked that 1,400-metre box getting black type against her name. But I'm interested in your opinion here. I, I think she's one of the victims of this Racing Victoria's decision to move the 1,000 guineas from where it was uh, between on, on the Caulfield uh, Cup Wednesday, uh, Carnival Day, to post uh, Flemington's Carnival. She would have been an ideal horse to go for Group 1, uh, Gloria Oz Empress. You know, she's going to get the mile, I get that. But what do you think of that decision to move that race? Yeah, look, obviously, um, yeah, I, look, I, traditional races, I sort of always sort of find it a little bit difficult to, 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 to move around. Um, I guess, yeah, it takes a little bit of getting used to, to um, yeah, to, to sort of reprogram those sort of types of horses of, of what you sort of traditionally done with them. But I also sort of like seeing, you know, those top class fillies that um, you know are, are brilliant enough to sort of go through a guineas and, and onto an oaks and, and 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 those sort of types of race that we've seen you know so many do before um, yeah they're not able to do that so you know maybe sort of taking away from even races like the oaks itself you know you're, you're losing top class fillies out of it um, that you know don't have that potential to go through those paths but um, look I I, I um, I'm sure there was certainly some um, merit and benefit into the decision-making process and, and, and the overall picture and aim of what they're trying to achieve. So, I'm, um, you know, certainly see how it pans out for the first couple of years before making too much judgment. So where does this filly go to now? Uh, not entirely sure. Um, you know, that was a pretty important win for her. Um, yeah, no doubt she'll stretch over a little bit further. So may just test her, test her at the mile next start um, and then we'll see if we can um, yeah, keep, her, keep her up and going all the way through the guineas or not. Yeah, that's the that's the Edward Benefold, of course. And one final uh, comment or question: Just finds two dollars for the Metrop coming up this weekend. Uh, he's been absolutely awesome in his two Australian wins. Is he is he right to go next Saturday? Yeah, he, he seems to have come through that race in in, in good shape. It was a yeah, phenomenal win. Um, just sort of the the pressure that he sort of received and a long way out. You don't necessarily see them sort of you know still sort of absorb that amount of pressure and quick quick in a way. The way in which he did, so um, yeah, he's obviously well weighted in 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 that race. Uh, I, I feel he shouldn't have a problem with the distance. So um, yeah, it looks a looks a looks a lovely race for him. Thanks for your time this morning. No, really appreciate it. Thank you, Adrian Bot joining us in training partnership with Gay Waterhouse and uh, Alligator Blood. Um, uh, probably at a different level to those horses yesterday, I feel. Yeah, flashing light runs, though, from a Caulfield Cup perspective, I thought, behind Alligator Blood. Certainly Solcom, uh, who won, you know, staggeringly well first up. Missed the kick a bit, uh, flew home for fourth. Jewess, I thought she was terrific from a from a Cup's perspective. She might have regained a bit of her old uh, form. And without a fight, who we saw up here in the Brisbane winner, they all finished really well. Um, Alligator Blood is tough as old boost, but you can follow a few out of this race going forward, I reckon. Well, we've talked about militarised going to the Caulfield Guineas where he's the $3.50 favourite. He may have a very formidable rival in this next horse we're going to hear winning. His name is Step Hardy. He's unbeaten and he wins the prelude.
800 metres to run. It's Rock Empire on the inside of Some People Call Me. Two and a half to V8 with a lovely run. A length away, centre fire. And then came Prince Zero, Southport Tycoon. Stapati is seven off the lead, tracked by Sheelight. Little Bros last approaching the turn. 500 to go. Rock Empire just in front of Some People Call Me. A length and a half to V8, who's about to ease three wide. Next in the field is centre by stoked up behind those horses from Southport Tycoon. Prince Zero, Stapati is the widest with a lot to do. Rock Empire at the 250 from Centrefire on the outside. Southport Tycoon is getting out as well. Centrefire strikes the front of the 150. Southport Tycoon. She lighted Stapati from nowhere. It's going to be a big finish. They hit the lights. Stapati! Stapati has got up to win it. Has picked itself off the canvas and has won the race from a photo. Centrefire Southport Tycoon and She Light. Haven't we got a fantastic guineas in a few weeks? Rock Empire folded up, Little Bros V8, never likely. Then some people call me, and at the tail of the field, Prince Zero. Stepati was the $2.60 favourite. It, it, for the major part of the, the race, or certainly the straight, it looked like he wasn't going to win, but this horse just builds his revs, and, by gee, was powerful to the line. The man who knows him well is his trainer, Paul Prushka, and he, he joins us this morning on Pass the Post. Paul, good morning. Morning, man. How are you? Very well. I'm sure you're extremely well because mate, there were a lot of good races yesterday, but I thought that was one of the wins of the day, the, the fact that he just kept building and building and strong. You must have been delighted with the performance. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, um, uh, you know, it's been a funny situation. He sort of trained to switch off and um, he's got a boom turn of foot, but uh, till, till yesterday we hadn't really... We've just seen him bounce and dictate his terms, but, um, you know, good to see it uh, under race pressure. Is it fair to say, Paul, like the more pressure in uh, races that he faces um, going forward, the, probably the better he's going to be? Like he, he just, you know, would, would thrive off that and, and just allow him to unleash that boom finish you're talking about? Yeah, for sure. He's, um, it's good to see that in concrete and um, sort of can map a race out and... Um, Ride him accordingly, so it makes it a little bit easier on us all. Yeah, hundred percent. So was the plan always to ride him quietly like that yesterday? Oh, look, um, not really. Like I left it an open page with Johnny. Um, I've talked to him about the horse, uh, you know, last start and, and, and going into this. It's it's there, and we haven't used it. So if the op option comes up, certainly grab it. You know. And, you know, obviously in uh, the Caulfield Guineas, up to his eyeballs now, you would have obviously watched the Golden Rose, I'm assuming, in Sydney with some interest as well with Militarise winning there. How do you... It's it's impossible, I suppose, to, to weigh uh, your horse up against some of these Golden Rose horses, but but what did you sort of think of that and where do you think he slots into the scheme of of the overall picture of three-year-olds? Yeah, look, um, certainly he's a good horse, isn't he? <laughs> um, <coughs> You're sort of, you know, you're sort of hinging on the fact that you, he hasn't been around Caulfield and um, and this way, but uh, good man trains him, so I'm sure he, uh, I'm sure he's confident if he's coming, you know. He's a colt by Artie Schiller out of Watshaw Step. Just give us the background to to, to this horse. Was he to go through a sale? No, no. Uh, the guys bought him out of the paddock. Um, not far from here, Sanan, uh, a fellow I trained, uh, bred him, and um, that's how we come about him, really. He's just sort of homegrown, um, uh, and the rest is today, you know. 
Yeah, it's 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 a great story. Congratulations on yesterday, Paul, and good luck in the Guineas. No worries, man. Thank you. There he is, Paul Pershka joining us. This was a very good win because before yesterday, we'd seen Stepardi as a an on-speed horse who'd won three races during the winter, where form is often not marked high. But I still think even being winter, uh, he was marked well, Stepardi, by good judges. A good win first up, um, but you know nothing. You know, too dynamic, but that was a great win yesterday. It just showed this horse, you know, what level he can achieve. Yeah, and the versatility is a key, isn't it? Going into a Group One, you need to have that. I mean, if you draw wide at Caulfield, you, and you have to be snagged back, for instance, or you have to go forward, you, you need to have a few strings to your bow, and this guy certainly does. Uh, he's four dollars for for the Guineas with Militarise at three fifty. I've always been one thinking the Caulfield Guineas lacked a bit of you know sex appeal, a bit of warmth, but you're sort of well. What's set up now is a a traditional Melbourne versus Sydney clash. Well, and King Colorado, who we saw yeah. run oh, the Golden, Golden Rose as well, coming up there, who I think they still would love to run in the Cox Plate if they could actually get mm. there. So that'll be a huge race for King Colorado as well. I think this year is going to be a, well, it's never a bad Caulfield Guineas, but I think it's going to be a very good Caulfield Guineas this year. Let's go to, let's go to, what do you want? Want to play race uh, six? This is the uh, Test de Rosa at 1400 metres. Amenable. Everyone in the world was on it at round at a dollar eighty. So Buffalo River, as it loves to do, starts to step it up. And if anything is fighting, Celine Gordrain led by three or four before the corner. Corner pocket second, Bandersnatches third. Then came Savannah Cloud, who's tapped along to stay in touch from Umgawa. Then came Wellback Banker's Choice, Amenable second last. Red Sun Sensation last around the turn. 350 metres to go. Buffalo River, two and a half corner pocket, Bandersnatch. Then Savannah Cloud and Umgawa. Amenable still along way back, still at the 150 Buffalo River, a length and a half corner pocket, Savannah Cloud and Umgawa it's Buffalo River, gripping on gripping on, and one Buffalo River from Savannah Cloud, corner pocket, Umgawa, then Bandersnatch Amenable, never likely, Banker's Choice, and Red Sun Sensation was last. Amenable was disappointing despite being back and wide early, but Buffalo River wasn't, he produced uh, something like his best form uh, I think Retirement was beckoning, but nevertheless, they've persevered. They took the earmuffs off, and Celine Gordray took him to the front. Normally, he's a wet tracker or best on wet tracks, but he, he won on the good at $19, knocking a few people out of everything. Yeah, I'd retired this horse myself. I didn't remember <laughs> still racing. I don't think he'd won in two years, so well, I couldn't have backed him with stolen money, but good on Mike Moroni. Let's go to Toowoomba now, and, of course, the uh, big one was the, the Wheatwood. Yellow Brick was returning for his spring campaign. He was at $1.45 to win Toowoomba's biggest race. The Wheatwood stand in the Wheatwood and the pace setter is now the favourite and they speak of Yellow Brick in front and in charge. Leading the way three parts of a length over Burnish Gold the outside, Roman Aureus and all that pizzazz. Situation Room Ned's Gully, Tears of Love followed then by Dr Zeus, Mass Destruction peeling to the extreme outside Homeward bound in the Wheatwood Yellow Brick in front, all that pizzazz. Situation Room knuckling down to the task. Dr Zeus is next followed by Ned's Gully. Yellow Brick in front, but all that pizzazz looming ominously. 100 to go, yellow brick. All that pizzazz lunges.
Photo, not sure. All that pizzazz or yellow brick could go either way. Dr. Zeus third, followed by our Magnus for fourth, and then came at the head of the rest. There was Situation Room, Noah and Adil, Roman Aureus, Ned's Gully, followed by Bonaparte, Sir Rocket, Ranch Hand, Burnish Gold, and Tears of Love, Mass Destruction last. It's a photo in the Wheatwood. Tony Gollan trains his first Weeper winner. He's our final guest this morning. Tony, congratulations. Did you think you'd won on the line? Yeah, I, I kind of did, but I sort of wanted to see the number in the frame. I didn't want to go the early crow. <laughs> that, was the, that was the issue, really. Yeah, I've got a nasty scar on my back this morning, Tony, from you. You watched it in the, uh, the media <laughs> box with us. And and when you saw the replay, the uh, you, you gave out a few slaps, including one on my back. But in all seriousness... <laughs> When you spoke to Bernie Cooper post-race, I detected a real note of emotion in your voice, and that has obviously got a bit to do with your dear old dad, departed dad too, hasn't it? Uh, who, you know, was a legendary trainer, dual for that first Weewood. There was a bit that came together for you yesterday, wasn't there? Yeah, look, it was. It, it meant a lot to, my, to myself and obviously my family. I'm a Toowoomba boy, so, you know, it's hard to get that out of your system, you know, and it doesn't matter where I live now, you'll always be from Toowoomba, and that's our, big, that's our premier race, and... I grew up going to that race day since I was, I don't know, as young as what my son is now, which is, he's he's three. So, you know, he's, he always want to win it. I've, I've come awfully close a few times. Um, I've, I've gone there plenty of times, thought I had good chances and just didn't get the job done. I know how hard a race it is to win. And to, to lob there yesterday, when the noms come out, all, you know, a couple of, when the noms come out early in the week, I knew Yellow Brick was in the race. So I really thought it was going to be awfully hard to win. He's such a good horse and... Just to see that little horse get up and get the job done, I, I guess it was a bit of emotion yesterday just because it's your you know, your hometown feature and it's just a race you really want to win. Yeah, I was speaking to you a couple of days ago about this race, Tony, I got the feeling, I mean, you hadn't conceded defeat, but you thought it was probably unlikely that you would beat Yellow Brick. And, and were, you, were you surprised to see Yellow Brick leading as well? Yeah, the race didn't pan out at all as I, as I expected, to be honest. I thought the situation room would lead and... Yeah, maybe get a couple of cheap cheap sectionals and, and kick off the corner, but it, it just changed the whole. You know, the way the race was run just changed everything. Really, you know, Jimmy bounced really well. He's a fantastic barrier rider, Jimmy Ormond. He bounced well on yellow brick for a horse that usually dwells to start. Put him into the race, and I thought when he led, I thought, geez, it's gonna be hard to get past. And anyway, he's a good little horse, Pizzazz, isn't he? He just had 54 kilos on his back. He was able to get a really suck run through and. When he presented at the top of the straight, I knew he'd sprint really quick. I just didn't know if I could get past the other horse. There's no doubt you know, the second horse is the best horse in the race. Um, we're just fortunate to be able to get him down the day. All that pizzazz uh, sort of got under the radar when it started its career. What I liked about it in the autumn, you won that prelude and then you won the jewel. I thought, gee, this horse has come back a lot sharper, a lot better. This campaign, he's been good again. He's only lightly raced. That's his 12th start winning the Wheatwood yesterday. There's there's no reason after this campaign he can't take another step forward. Yeah, I agree. He's always been a really, really nice horse. In the summer, he just didn't come back very well. He just didn't look well. I just couldn't get him quite right. So I backed off him for that dual, that dual race. I had one lead-out run into it, and he was bloody good the two starts. Yeah, he won them both. And in the dual, he's had three-day no cover, and it's hard to do in a race like that with the run that he got. Um, then I immediately backed off him with the Wheatwood in mind. I thought, oh, geez, he's a nice horse that, you know, possibly for a king of the mountain, you know, Wheatwood type horse. So when the noms come out at the start of the week, I thought, geez, I'm probably out of my depth a little bit here. He was probably, I think it was 49 kilos true weight yesterday. You know, he carried 54, obviously, but he was weighted much lower than that at true weight. So the idea was to 
if we made the field, get him up there, um, give him an audition you know, for the King of the Mountain at the end of the year, I'd you know, probably have no problem getting a slot now, I'd suggest. But, you know, he's just a really good little horse. He's a real little winner. Uh, love a little gelding. You know, good, good bunch of owners. Didn't pay a lot of money for him, and he's doing a great job. He reminds a bit of I'm a Ripper. Yeah, he does. He does. He reminds me a bit of him. And you sort of always reminds me a little bit of Temple of Boom. I know he's a left level down on Temple One, you know, Group One of Galaxy, but he's that that's that medium sized gelding, a bit like I'm a Ripper. Very tenacious. Really good action on him for small horses, um, and just a real dream to train. So, you know, he's, he's a pleasure to have in the yard this bloke. Um, just with the week ahead, Tony, you will have, I'm assuming, Zoo style in the Group One Moya. Can you trouble the scorers, do you think, with him? Mate, I'm not sure. I mean, Imperatrix was, was bloody good the other night. She's one hell of a good moon horse around, or good horse anywhere, but exceptionally good Mooney Valley horse. But my life definitely improved. He, he's in great shape. He, he enjoys down in Melbourne. He enjoys being down there. He's in good order. So, look, he's a good 1,000-metre horse. He'll be, in, he'll be in the finish. He probably just lacks the class. Those really good Group One horses. And my final question to you is, did Jimmy Orman deserve the criticism that he received on the right of Antino? It didn't create as much brouhaha as Williams did with Giga Kick, but nevertheless, there was a lot of conversation. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts? You're the trainer. Yeah, was, uh, Jimmy Orman's a fantastic guy. He's a great jockey. Like, you only watch his ride on Cronenberg yesterday to see just how good a rider he is. He just puts horses in the right position early on. Um, look, I don't, I don't think... There's no doubt. I think Jimmy would agree. Probably wasn't. His, if he had it over again, he would probably done things differently. But we don't have crystal balls at the moment. At the time, he, he felt he was doing the right thing, and he put himself in a bit of a pickle to be tagged by other horses. But at the end of the day, he's um, he, he's a very young. He's a young man on, on a on a really good journey. And look, this 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 horse will be only only a small part of it. So he's not on him next week, but he'll get back on him at some stage. And just he's hoping that he can do a good job in Tino and obviously Norman will bounce bounce back from it, no worries. Yeah. Was that his first ride in Melbourne? I don't think it was. I think he's ridden ridden in Flemington before. Mm. Um he had a ride there a few years ago. But he's very new to going that, that way of going and yeah. I think carrying the whip in that right hand and all those sorts of little things are just I just very new to Jimmy. But he's look he's he's a young man. He hasn't took it out of the right hand since then. So <laughs> he'll um they they will learn we all learn from stuff, right? So I don't think it'll, be, it'll only be a blip in the road, road for him, that's for sure. He was, he was, we ran a treble at Dooman on Wednesday, but he was on a couple on Wednesday during Barrier 1. I was nearly tempted to, to say something in jest, but I thought, no, he mightn't treat it too nicely. So I'd, I deferred from that. But no, I think you're right. Um, uh, I think when we talk about, you know, I should have held the lead, we all do that in hindsight. The, the, we don't, we're not saying that when the race is being run, and it's a split-second decision, and you know it's one race amongst a million races, and he'll win a lot more races for you, particularly too. Thanks for being with us. No, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. There is Tony Gollan. One more replay. Let's have a listen to the Toowoomba Cup. They backed Nick Asper like it was uh, the number was in the frame. Unbelievable. Two dollars fifty. Military Gambler in front, 800 metres from the judge, leading the way by a neck over to Cowspur, who's now breathing down its neck, the outside the fave. Then came Wapiti and also Namazu is over on the fence in fourth, Harbell up to fifth, but deep, red waves there in the centre, Tappy's lad wide on the track, sail the fence enough, he said, Linsorp lad, top boy, hell of a deal, well back with Beaufort Park and Barnum, the rear ender as they approach the home turn in the big one. Military Gambler in 
front, Nikowsberg grinding away up on the outside, 300 to go, followed by Wapiti, Namazoo, and enough, he said, but they've still got to get to Military Gambler in front at the 150. Nikowsberg still there on the outside, Military Gambler in front, Nikowsberg, I don't think, can pick him up, and it's Military Gambler. Military Gambler beating Nikowsberg, bar none for third, followed then by enough, he said, and Lynn Sorplad and Sale further back in the field there when they hit the line two red wave and then came Wapiti and Namazoo top boy Beaufort Park Tappy's lad Harbell and hell of a deal at the tail end of the field military gambler for Chris Munson Damien Thornton uh, ridden positively to go forward control the speed Nick Asper had to do his share of work early and probably told that last party couldn't quite peg back military gambler. This will start off as a steely grey. He's almost white now, military gambler. He could be the clerk of the course in another couple of years' time. But uh, uh, as I said, I, I was surprised at the level of support of Nick Asper. There was no doubt he had a good winning chance, but gee, 2.50 Nick Asper. Yeah, having said that, probably arguably should have won, yeah. given, given the fair run comment. that he had. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to uh, Chris Mutz. Um Look, Jimmy Allman, the only reason I found Toowoomba yesterday, the Toowoomba race course, is because I was driving up there and there was a car in front of me and it said Allman. So just the number plate said Allman, so I thought, this will do me. It's so I was just like, followed it. it and, like but, but I'll tell you I'll tell you what put me, uh, you know, put me back a bit. The car actually veered off and he stopped to have a sneaky wee. I thought, what's going on here? <laughs> so anyway, we, we followed Jimmy Ullman into the course. It's like the old day when you, you go to a racetrack, you've never been before, there's a horse flow there, so just keep going. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the right, right car to follow. Good on you, Ben. We'll talk tomorrow on Press Room. Thanks, David. Ben Norrie's joining me this morning. Thanks for your company as well. We've got a little over time. Ben's spoken too much again, but anyway, that has to uh, be taken into account. But uh, we'll be back with Press Room tomorrow. Uh, plenty of guests coming up, uh, our regular panellists as well. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye.